Ephesians 4 is our scripture reading this evening, and it's in that chapter that you will find the sermon text as well. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, 
as the truth is in Jesus, that she put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt in corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members of one of another. Be angry and sin not Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The sermon text is in verses 14 and 15. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. What would you think, my dear friends and fellow believers, what would you think of a church where no one, not you, not I, where no one behaved childishly as we all sometimes do. What would you think of a church where the members live together in the kind of unity that's reflected in this epistle by those references to the church as a body. Every member with his or her own place. Every member needed. No member feeling unneeded. 
or treated as being unnecessary and unwanted in the church. That would be a church with a witness and a light like no other congregation or church. Or what would you think of a church where all the members were so well grounded in the truths of God's word that it was impossible to deceive them or for them to be deceived by teaching that's not biblical. That's the ideal that the Word of God holds up to us here in Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15. And that is what we must work for and strive for. What you must work for and strive for here in your congregation. Church where the members are grown up spiritually, rooted and grounded in the truths of God's word and living together in peace and unity. I'm not saying that that's not present here, but you will all admit that there is no congregation no church here on earth which does not need to strive to try to meet the teaching of the word of God as it's given us in these verses from Ephesians 4. But the word of God doesn't just hold up for us that beautiful picture of the church as it ought to be, but tells us what is the most important thing. In looking for that, working for that, here in Linden, and that's there in verse 14, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, and become like that healthy, strong body that's described in verse 16. 
Now, of course, we do not and never will be able to do anything by ourselves. That unity, as the Word of God points out in the first part of this chapter, that kind of unity and peace is the unity of the Spirit and is, as our text has it, in Christ. Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ exalted, and Christ coming again. Apart from him, these things are impossible, or as he puts it in John 15, without me, ye can do nothing. Nevertheless, that's not to deny the important instruction of God's word here in verses 14 and 15. God uses, through Christ and through the work of his spirit, uses that speaking the truth in love to give us the spiritual growth that we all need, to give us the unity of the Spirit, and to cause us to grow, to grow up into Christ in all things. And that's the focus, too, of this evening's sermon, speaking the truth in love. I think the first thing that has to be talked about, then, is that reference to the truth. Truth is everything. That's what the Word of God is saying as far as the church is concerned. If we think of the church as a body, then the truth is the food and drink which nourishes that body. The truth is the medicine which heals that body when it's wounded or broken or hurting. The truth is what enriches the body so that that body enjoys peace and happiness and the blessing of God. The truth and the reference is to the teachings of the Word of God. You find them from Genesis to Revelation. The truth is everything. And that needs to be emphasized today. In fact, Paul needed to emphasize that. Speaks of that in Galatians chapter 4, 
he told the truth to the Galatians, and they thought he was their enemy because he told them the truth. He says that in Galatians 4, verse 16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And that's the way people often react when the truth is told. If you speak the truth, as this verse says, if you speak the truth, then you're viewed as someone who is intolerant, bigoted, Lacking in love for others and all of the rest. And we sometimes, like the Galatians, react that way to the truth. When someone tells us the truth, we become angry with them. Whether it's the elders, our parents, another believer, instead of taking to heart what the Word of God says here, we act too as though those who tell us the truth are our enemies. And for that reason especially, we have to be reminded of what the Word of God says here, that the truth and speaking the truth is everything. And that includes every truth that you find in the Word of God. You may think, for example, that the truth concerning the creation of the world isn't very important. I've heard people say that it's not a salvation matter and have heard that said of other teachings of the Word of God. But if they're here, by God's revelation of Himself to us, then they must be important. Even if we don't immediately see the importance of those truths. But we know, for example, the importance of the truth concerning our own sinfulness and depravity. If I don't see that, then I'm never, never really going to see my need for the saving work of Christ. And if I don't know the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, come in the flesh, that I'm never going to be able to trust him. Trust him both because of his power as the Son of God, but trust him too because he's like me in everything but sin. And so it is, it takes some work, to learn that, so it is with everything that the Bible teaches. 
And it's not a mistake to preach and teach and speak the truth. It's not a mistake when you're dealing with those who don't believe. Because as Jesus says in John 8, it's the truth that sets people free. But it's not a mistake to speak the truth in the church either. It's through speaking the truth that we grow up into Christ in all things. That speaking includes the preaching of the word. Ephesians 2 mentions that. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It includes what the elders do when they come on family visitation or come to visit any one of us individually. It includes what we do in our Bible studies. We're doing then something like the prophet Malachi talks about. Then they that feared the Lord spake often to one another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. It includes what we do when we have to speak to someone else about a sin that they've committed. It includes what we do when we encourage one another with our words. It includes what parents do when they speak to their children, speak the truth to their children. There are, there are all different ways and times when we do what the Word of God talks about here in Ephesians 4. We speak the truth to others who don't believe when we witness to them. Although that's not what the Word of God has in mind here. It talks about believers living together in the church of Christ and the truth being at the center of their life. But that word speaking the truth, again, you can look that up for yourself in a good concordance. The words speaking the truth in our King James Version are actually just one word. And a word that we don't have in English that's really difficult 
to translate. Speaking the truth is the main thing, but there's so much more to it. It includes walking in the truth, loving the truth, having the truth in you. And that doesn't just mean up here, of course. It includes all of that. And the idea is that we speak the truth not only with our mouths, but with our lives, with our attitudes, in every possible way that we become a kind of mirror in the way we live, in the way we talk, for the truths of God's Word. And it's with that in mind, too, that the Word of God, a little further on in the chapter, says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The truth is the means that God uses to minister his grace through us to others. But we mustn't forget either that, that at the heart of the truth, is Christ himself. He is the truth. Even, even when you're talking about the creation of the world, you're really talking about Christ. As John says in John 1, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You can work out the importance of that for yourself. But if you speak the truth, then you're really speaking about him, who he is, what he's done as our Savior, what he's doing and will do as the Savior of God's people. The truth, you have that too later on in this, in this chapter, is the truth as it is in Jesus. And it's even from him that we learn the truth. Though he uses parents, pastors, elders, uses the other members of the church for that too, it's especially from him. Look at verses 20 and 21, where Paul says, he's talking about people whose minds are full of darkness, who are strangers. That's sad, you know, strangers to the life of God. They don't have any idea of what a blessing it is to know God 
to love him, to be one of his children. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them. They're past feeling. You see that in the news. People who in committing the worst kind of wickedness are utterly past any feeling of mercy or pity or love for others and who've given themselves over to what Paul calls lasciviousness and uncleanness and greediness. Then he says to these Ephesian believers, that's not what you learned. Not if you heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And while I'll come back to that, there's an important application there. You can learn, you know, some of the doctrines and teachings of the Word of God. But if you don't learn them at the feet of Jesus, then you really haven't learned them at all. You haven't heard him and been taught by him. That's the only way to learn the truth. You don't just, in other words, learn about the crucifixion of Christ, but you learn the truth of Christ's death from the crucified one himself. And speaking the truth, with all that's involved in that, means you speak it as you learned it from him, that you speak it as one who lives in the fellowship of Christ, who knows Christ, who loves Christ. It's not just a matter of rattling off from memory certain teachings of the word of God and proof texts for them speaking the truth in love it's not only important to speak the truth but the way we speak it and why we speak it and the attitudes with which we speak it are important You're not doing the body of Christ, the church, any good if you don't speak the truth. If the minister doesn't speak it, if the elders don't speak it, if the members don't speak it, if parents don't speak it, they're not doing their children any good. But you're equally wrong if you speak the truth and don't speak it in love. That has to do with 
the way we speak. We don't speak the truth, in other words, to win arguments. We don't speak the truth to show how much we know. We don't speak the truth in a way with an attitude that leaves the impression with others that somehow or other we're better than they are. Because after all, if we know the truth and are able to speak it, we still have nothing that we have not been given as a gift of grace, something that wasn't purchased by the blood of Christ and given by his spirit. And no reason then to come speaking the truth pridefully and in a way that sets us above others in love. The minister must preach the truths of God's word and nothing but the truths of God's word. There's no place in the preaching of the gospel for political commentary and things like that. It's to speak the truth. But it had better be evident in his preaching that he stands behind the pulpit out of a love for God's people that reflects the love that Christ himself has for them. And that has to be true of the elders too when they bring the word of God to those who are astray. They have to be there in love and speak in love. It's not a matter of name-calling. It's not a matter of acting as though I am the only one who knows anything. It's not a matter of condemning others. and consigning them to God's judgment because they don't say things exactly the way I think they ought to be said or because they don't know as much as I know. That's our calling. All the rest of our talking doesn't matter that much in comparison. Because you know what happens? What happens here in Linden Congregation when you take those words to heart about speaking the truth in love? You know what happens? There's real spiritual growth 
in the church. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Then we grow each one of us spiritually and grow in all things. You understand that? I don't, in other words, just grow in my understanding, but I grow in my ability to live by that truth and to apply it to myself. If you're growing, for example, in the knowledge of Christ crucified, who it was that died on the cross, and why he died, and what he did by his death on the cross, you're not just growing in your understanding if you're growing in all things, but you're growing also in the fact that that truth has application. That you were crucified with Christ and are dead to sin. Then you're growing in something as practical and needed in the church as a little humility. Because the truth of Christ's crucifixion is the truth that he humbled himself even unto death, and that I may never, can never be anything but humble as a result. In other words, growing as far as that fundamental and important truth of Scripture is concerned really does mean that I grow in all things and grow in the joy and the peace that that truth brings as well. In every possible way I grow and that's where that, that picture of a body is so helpful. If I'm only growing in understanding, then I'm like, like a child or a young person whose right arm is growing and nothing else. You get some kind of a monster as a result. And not the kind of Christian 
that the Word of God is talking about. Although that works the other way too. The same thing happens when I'm growing in enthusiasm and zeal. But not in knowledge and understanding. Then I really am some kind of spiritual monster and not the kind of Christian that I ought to be. But that's only one kind of growth. The Apostle Paul is also talking about the fact that it's not just I who grow individually, but we all grow as members of a body. Grow in relation to one another. Grow in our love for one another. Grow in our understanding of how we must live with one another. Though we're all still sinners. And I don't have to tell you how that's needed. That's one of the fundamentals of Christian marriage. That a a newly married Christian husband, a newly married Christian wife, learn to live together as sinners saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. They have to grow together as well as each one of them individually. And that comes through speaking the truth. That's why nothing may ever be preached here but the truth. That's why you and I have to learn in love for the truth to be more diligent in that great matter of speaking the truth and why we have to learn, too, to speak it in love. But there's a third kind of growth, too, of which the Word of God speaks here, and that's the most wonderful kind of growth. That's growing up, Paul says, into Christ. That's what happens through the truth. And when you and I speak the truth, live the truth, love the truth, as it is in Jesus, that we grow the references to the fact that by faith we're joined to Christ, really are. That's a little later on in Ephesians. Bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. What body with him? But we grow in that. Grow as a branch that's grafted into a tree. Grows into the tree and becomes part of that tree filled with the life of the tree, bearing fruit as a result. 
And there again, the whole idea of a body is helpful. If you look at a little child, its head, Christ is the head of the church, its head is almost fully grown. But the rest of the body has to grow up into the head. And that doesn't just refer to physical growth, each member growing in proportion to the head, but it refers to the fact, too, that as a child grows, it learns to live, if I may put it that way, in relation to the head. The arms don't just flail wildly, but are controlled by the mind and will. And so, with every aspect of the child's life, and that's the picture that the Word of God draws here for us of spiritual growth into Christ. To the point what verse is that? We're just like a tri- child grows up to adulthood. I grow to be a perfect man. Grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now that doesn't happen entirely until I go to heaven. But it begins now. As a result of my union with Christ and the work of his spirit in my heart. But God also uses that wonderful means of the truth and of speaking the truth to bring that kind of growth about. You should be able to see that in yourself. You should be able to see that over the years, not from yesterday till today, but over the years, you've grown spiritually, grown in your relationships to one another here in the church and in the family. If you haven't, there must be something wrong. Perhaps, even though you're speaking the truth, you're not speaking it in love. Perhaps that's what wrong or as you have it in so many churches today where there is no growth no real spiritual growth in unity individually into Christ it's because the truth is not spoken But whatever the case may be, that growing up into Christ is what the Christian life is all about. I grow up into him, the head, in such a way that I don't think anymore the way the whole world thinks. 
but I think the way he thinks. I don't live anymore the way that the world recommends me first, what I want before everything else. But I live as a father, a husband, a wife, a member of the church, as part of a body. I don't despise others. There's a wonderful description of that in 1 Corinthians 12 of what this all means. The body is not one member, not many, but many. I mustn't expect everybody to be just like me. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And so on. But that's what comes through speaking the truth in love. The members of the church living together in their own homes as well as in the church. As members together of Christ. Nothing more blessed in marriage. Nothing more blessed in family life. No church stronger and more beautiful in the eyes of God than that. If that growth isn't there, then you get the situation that Paul describes in verse 14. members of the church acting like children. And by the way, that's not in itself a bad thing. A new believer is in the very nature of the case, a child in understanding, in his ability to apply the truth many different ways. But we have to grow up. And if we don't grow up, then the church is filled with childish behavior, the selfishness of children. The, I'm the only one who matters of children. The, I want this, and I want it because you have it, of children. The pettiness of children who hit one another and bite one another sometimes for no real reason. That kind of thing. And that's not what we want, is it? 
What good is it then to be a member of the church? For like a child, I carry my grudges around on my shoulder. If like a child, I won't talk to other members of the church because in one way or another, they've offended me. If in the church, I behave like a child who is determined to have his own way, no matter what the consequences, can't have that. There's no point to being a congregation then, is there? That ye be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, always wanting something new, like a child, easily deceived, like children are, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. In contrast to that, Paul gives us, the word of God gives us in verse 16, a beautiful picture of the church as a strong and healthy body, living under the rule of its head, directed and controlled by its head, but growing spiritually, fitly joined together, compacted, a living unity by that which every joint supplieth, every part of the body functioning in its place according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. One thing, one thing, One means that God uses speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth as it is in Jesus with the love of Christ, of God himself, of Christ, in your speaking the truth. So do it. Amen. Father, forgive the sins that we commit in speaking from thy word. And forgive us too the sins we commit when we are astray from the word of God and from the truth. And forgive us when we speak the truth, but without the love of God and of our Savior, of which we have heard this evening.
Forgive us all every sin and transgression for Jesus' sake. Bless us as we go our separate ways at the end of another Lord's Day. May we never forget that we are members of one another and members of Christ our Lord by the work of the Spirit and by his own death on the cross. In his name we pray, amen.